We are in a series called Prayer, and I bet you can't guess what it's about. Prayer, yeah, genius. Uh, the marketing level is uh, on an all-time high here, all right? Uh, but what we've been doing is walking through Luke 11, talking about the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer, from Luke's perspective, a little bit different than the traditional one you probably memorized or have heard if you have a church background. But we've learned a lot of really cool things already. The, the first week, and I'm just going to level with you now, we, I planned on going through the entire Lord's Prayer in one message. And as I studied for the first message, I just felt a pretty clear conviction from the Lord that I needed to slow down and do one line at a time. And the first week was great. Like God just gave me a very clear message on that first line. It felt awesome. The next week I was sitting in my office and I found myself thinking, how in the world am I going to preach a whole sermon on this one line? Because it's just not my normal thing. But what's been crazy is week in and week out as I've studied and prayed and asked the Lord for his help. By the time we got to Sunday, I was like, how am I going to get all this in one message? So if you think I've drugged this thing out now, it could have been worse. I guess that's why I shared that with you, all right? Uh, but, but God really has taught us a lot. That first week it says, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Luke's version just says, Father, hallowed be your name. And we said that God is so far above us. He is transcendent beyond anything we could think or imagine. Yet this transcendent holy God says, call me Dad. Call me Father. So he is far above us, yet he is also near us. And last week we learned that when we pray, your kingdom come, what we're asking Jesus to do is to reorient our lives away from the kingdoms of this world, but instead to wrap our hearts, our lives around Jesus and his mission for us. And it's an incredible thing that he's teaching us. But what we're going to do now is transition to these next three weeks where we're going to look at three requests that Jesus offers. After these two brilliant theological kind of messages today, in the next two weeks, we have just simple requests or petitions from the Lord in this prayer. So that's what we're going to look at today. Give us this day our daily bread. So what we're going to do is, as we've done every week, we're going to read through all four of these verses together, and then we're going to pray. And I think it's fitting if we're going to try to learn about prayer to ask Jesus to teach us to pray. So let's read this passage and ask him to help us. Luke 11, verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. Let's pray together. Lord, as we have prayed every week, we pray again. Teach us to pray. Help us, Lord. We recognize that, that we struggle in this. I think most people I would talk to would say that they're not content with their prayer life. But Lord, we know that you invite us to pray and you call us to pray. So I, I just ask that as we walk through this truth today that you would help us to, to get a glimpse of what this looks like. Lord, as we think about provision and what you provide for us, Lord, I pray we would know you today as the good provider, and God, that we would use what you give us wisely. So we pray now that you would help us accomplish this today through your Holy Spirit, working through your Holy Word. We love you and we thank you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Give us this day our daily bread. I'm just going to level with you right now. If you're on like a keto diet or you're trying to go low carb, this is going to be a rough one for you, all right? 
<clears throat> straight up. I'm going to be saying bread, bread, bread. So, I mean, if you're there, <clears throat> you just need to know it's going to be hard. Like, I, I, was, I ate half a donut because I was running late in here a few minutes ago, and people were like, uh, give us this day our daily bread. I'm like, yeah, I didn't even, you know, this, God just gave me what I needed today. So I wanted two or three, but got to have one, but it's all right. So if, you, if you're in that department today, you're going to hear the word bread a lot. But Jesus clearly here is not praying, you know, give us all the carbs, which that's my prayer most days. But um, what instead he's doing is inviting us to pray and say, Lord, provide the most basic physical needs in my life. Lord, give me the provision that I need. It's interesting when you study this prayer for a lot of reasons, but particularly this line, the early church fathers really uh, tried to spiritualize this to the nth degree. They really did. They, some said, well, this is talking about praying for the bread of communion, or this is some kind of spiritual bread that, that uh, Jesus is alluding to here. And the reason they did that is because I think for many of us, uh, we think that after Jesus has talked about transcendence and nearness, after he's talked about his kingdom and wrapping our lives around something bigger than ourselves, well, how in the world would he then turn and be like, yeah, and give us enough bread to make it today? In their minds, they think there's got to be something deeper here, something more significant here. But let me just tell you, I believe that always it's a good practice for biblical interpretation that what it means is what it means. There are special circumstances where what we, we understand that something does mean something different. But in this case, he says, give us the bread we need for today. When Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, he is asking us and inviting us to ask God to meet our most basic physical needs. Today's prayer, today's sermon really could be summed up in one word, dependence. Dependence. Now I'm going to keep talking for a long time, but it could be summed up in one word, okay? But I'm going to keep going. Dependence. When we think about this prayer, the reality is, is that you and I need to be completely dependent upon the Lord. We said last week that prayer is open rebellion to the kingdoms of this world. That when we pray, we are saying, Lord, reorient my heart and my life around you and your mission. That's what we're asking him to do. Well, guess what? When we pray, give us today our daily bread, this is exactly what we're doing. When we pray and ask God to help us be dependent upon him, that is certainly countercultural because we live in a culture that values independence almost above everything else, right? And while I'm certainly thankful for the independence we have as a nation and the freedoms we have, the reality is last week we learned that you and I are not part of a spiritual democracy, but rather we have submitted our lives joyfully to Jesus as king and Lord of our lives. So we've asked Jesus to rule and reign over every single part of who we are. We want Jesus to be the Lord of our lives, the king of everything that we are. This prayer is a request, but it's also a confession of our dependence upon Jesus. Did you know that you are radically dependent on Christ? I think this is something that, that is hard for us in a culture of abundance to realize. I think there are many, again, like we said earlier, around the world today who are aware in a unique way of how much they need God and how much they need the grace of Jesus Christ. My prayer for us today is that we would just catch a glimpse 
of this, how dependent we are, how desperate we are for the grace of Jesus Christ. This is hard for us. Why? Because I'll, I'll just tell you, I don't like to be dependent on anybody or anything. Any of you fans of that? Like, yeah, I love depending on other people. Just, it's just not my thing, right? I remember when I was in high school, and we, I have a brother who's a couple years older than me, and then I'm in the middle, which explains a lot, I know, and then there's the, the one a couple years younger than me. So my older brother got the driver's license first, and mom and dad were like, praise God, hallelujah, he's driving to school now, right? And I hated being dependent on him for when I had to get to school, right? I couldn't just go myself. I had to wait for him to be ready to get there. And if I had to get there early, I had to get him up early. And, had to, and he really loved that. And, and get him ready to get It was just really tough. And, and all throughout my life, there's a pattern of not liking to have to depend on anybody. Why? Because we have this independent spirit. And the independent spirit says, I don't need anyone or anything to help me. I got this. Now, you've heard me say this before, right? The most dangerous words in the Christian life are, I got this. Because the reality is, you, you don't have anything apart from Christ. Jesus invites us to pray for this dependence, to say, King Jesus, give me what I need. Convicts me, because I, I think I like to do things myself instead of depend on Jesus. But this convicts me, but at the same time, this encourages me. Why does this encourage me? Because when Jesus offers that we would pray for the most basic needs in our life, what he's actually doing is telling us that God cares about the big things and the small things in our lives. If we can pray and we can ask for the daily bread we need, then certainly we can go to God with the big things in our lives. And if we can go to God for the big things in our lives, then certainly we can pray for the daily things in our lives, the small things that are seemingly insignificant. I think about this, that, that Jesus in this prayer prays for something that almost seems insignificant to most of us. Yet what he's doing is saying, I care about even the sustenance you need to get by today. Several years ago, there was a popular preacher and teacher who uh, I think really has become apostate since then. He doesn't really believe in Christ as, as the way to get to God and have a relationship with him. But he was very popular and did these kind of like 10-minute sermonettes. It was like cool YouTube videos before YouTube was a thing, right? And they released them on DVD. And uh, my generation in particular of college students at the time and, and late high school students really enjoyed these videos. And in one of these videos, I, I remember him saying, you know, there are people who are uh, praying and asking God to get them a parking spot up close at the grocery store, and they tell me that God answered my prayer and got me a space close to the door, and then I heard someone else say that, that God, uh, they prayed and asked God to help their friend with cancer, and their friend didn't make it, and this very popular preacher was speaking into the life of a lot of impressionable Christ followers like myself, and basically said, why is God getting parking spots for some and letting others die of cancer? And I remember for me at that place, it really messed me up for a long time. Like it got me to the place where, uh, you know, I would be praying and I would realize, man, I'm praying about stuff that doesn't really matter. Like this is really insignificant. This doesn't matter. Why in the world would I pray for that? But over the years, God has helped me see the error of my ways and the error of that teaching. Because number one, that goes against his word, which is really all we need, right? 
And, and number two, what we don't realize is that we're actually limiting God when we believe that way. Because here's the reality, church. You need to hear this. Our God is big enough, strong enough, awesome enough, amazing enough. He is what we call the omnis. Omni just means all. He's all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, everywhere at one time. Can I tell you something? Our God is big enough and amazing enough that he can find a parking spot for somebody and help somebody else who's dealing with cancer. We need to know that today. You don't need to be afraid to ask God for the small things in your life. Have you ever been in life group or in a situation where prayer requests are coming and you had a prayer request you were going to share, but then somebody else shared one and it was like a bombshell and you're like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't have a prayer request anymore. More of you than the first service. They all looked at me like I was crazy. I was like, I'm the only messed up one. All right, good. But I know I've done that and I've been like, I, I don't have a prayer request in light of that. But y'all, God is big enough that he can handle the small things in our lives and the big things in our lives. I shared with the first service really what helped me uh, understand this was a, a sweet lady in our old church. We just called her Granny, who had lost her husband several years ago. And, and one day she told me uh, that, Rusty, since I lost my husband, I depend on Jesus. She actually said, Jesus is like my husband. And I was kind of like, ah, it's kind of, but th then she started talking about what she meant. She said, I talk to him all day. And Rusty, he helps me. He helps me find my keys. He, he opens up a spot when my legs are too tired to walk. And as she's telling this, it's like my little cynical heart is just breaking because I'm like, Jesus, why have I limited your ability to help Granny? Why have I limited? You care about the small little details in her life, and if you care about those, you care about mine as well. So we can pray about the big things in our life, but we can also pray about the small things as well. Did you know that today? Some of you need to be encouraged in this. God cares about the big things and the small things. I don't claim to know why he answers those prayers sometimes, and he doesn't sometimes, but I do know this. He cares. And the Bible invites us to trust him and to depend on him. We can boldly approach the throne with our requests, not being worried about how big or how small it is. This is where that phrase childlike dependence comes in. I've got toddlers. You see them running around. They're the ones who probably are in trouble. That's all right, you know. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. I can be in the middle of the world's most serious thing ever. My three-year-old will walk up to me and be like, hey, dad, insignificant question. She doesn't say that. That's what I hear, right? I'm telling you, I'm, I'm just, you know, if you're up here praying with me at the end of the service, she might barge in because she has a childlike dependence on me. And I'm just going to tell you, I don't know that I have that childlike dependence. My first reaction is not to say, Lord, can you help me in this situation? Because there's a part of me that would never say it, but I almost feel like God's got more important things to do. Friends, don't limit God in that way. God is big enough to care about the big things in this world, the big things in your life, and the daily things in your life. A prayer can change your life, a prayer could change your afternoon, and God's big enough to do both of those things. We can be dependent on him. 
So what does this dependence look like in our lives? I think as we think about this concept of daily bread, it will be instructive for us to dig in for a minute and think about that concept. As Jesus would talk about daily bread, almost immediately the people listening to him and the people reading this in the first century would be brought back to the Old Testament idea of manna. Some of you, if you have a church background, you're tracking with that. Some of you are like, man, I don't know what he's talking about, right? So that was good, yeah. <laughs> Dad joke level 100. So the, the truth is in Exodus 16, God has delivered his people from Egypt through miraculous ways, incredible ways. I mean, things that you and I could not even really think or imagine God has done to get his people out of Egypt. And once they get out of Egypt, because he did so many cool, awesome things, they never doubted him again, right? Wrong, okay? Like they're in the desert and they say, man, we don't have anything to eat. It would have been better off if you'd have left us in the desert. And at that moment, uh, Moses goes to God and says, what are we going to do? They're all going to rebel against him. And God says, I will provide. In his grace, he brings provision. And he rains down bread from heaven. This manna, not like bread like you and I think of today, but sustenance for them. And when they woke up in the morning, it covered the ground. And God said, here's what I want you to do. Go out and get enough for you and your family for what? Today. So, of course, because God said it, they believed it and exactly followed instructions, right? Wrong. They did what you and I would do. Like, all oh, this is going to go to waste. We might as well gather it up, right? Like, let's do it. So they stockpile it, and what happened? The next morning they got up, and everything they had saved stunk. Uh, by the way, just a side note, when we go beyond what God asks us to do, most of the time it ends up stinking, okay? So just for the record. But what's crazy about that, God provided just enough for the day, except for the Sabbath, they gathered enough for two days, and it didn't spoil on those days. And that's just a crazy picture of God's provision? Some of you may want to go read Exodus 16 later and just go, wow, that's insane. But that's the picture they would have when God talks about daily bread, that he's going to provide what we need for today. And I know that I think in my head, so why didn't God just say, all right, here's what I need y'all to do. Let's build a big manna barn, and once a month I'm going to rain down enough for y'all to collect. Everybody stop what you're doing. Gather up the barn. You'll be good for a while, and when you need it again, I'll bring it. Why didn't he do that? I believe it's because God wanted to teach his people that he was the source of all blessing, that he was the source of all of their provision, that he indeed was the daily bread that they needed. We have this ability, just like the Israelites, I think, to end up trusting the provision instead of trusting the provider. When God gives us the provision, we're just out there scooping up as much as we can instead of recognizing the provider who's given it to us. Our first application today is, is this, that we, when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, what we're saying is we trust the provider, not the provision. We trust the provider, not the provision. This is hard for us because it's so easy to make a God out of the provision instead of asking God to provide. I think the most common area we see this is probably our finances, our money. Back in the summer, because I've got, you know, a growing family and all that, we had to buy a minivan, which, you know, that's said dad level 100 earlier. Even better, I bought a minivan while wearing a pair of Crocs. Like, that's like over the top, right? 
Like they should have just given it to me for dad of the year at that point, you know, number one dad mug in my Crocs, you know, buying a van. So anyways, I bought this van and we were blessed because the provider had blessed us enough. We had enough provision. We were able to pay for it with cash. But when I say we paid for it with cash, I mean, we paid for it with like all of our cash, right? Like getting stuff out of the couch and just pushing it all to the middle of the table and be like, give us the van, right? Uh, Not quite like that, but you know what I'm saying if you've ever been in that position. And I didn't realize it until that point, but I was really finding a lot of security in my provision. Because all of a sudden, when I didn't have that savings built up, I started worrying about things that I hadn't worried about in a long, long time. In fact, I always would joke with people, go ahead, fire me. I've got at least two or three months put away. I'm good, right? Now I'm like, come on, y'all, I need this, all right? (laughs) Not today, not today. And while I'm saving back up, I'm working on building that savings back up to where it should be, it just kind of revealed to me that my heart does not often find its security in the provider, but instead I find my security in the provision of the provider. And that's not not how God's designed it to be. It's very countercultural for us to trust the provider instead of the provision. Now here, uh, you need to hear this from my heart, Okay. Don't hear what I'm not saying because I I do believe in savings accounts. I believe in preparing for retirement. In fact, at the end of this service, there's there's a Dave Ramsey commercial coming your way, y'all. Like we believe in, in doing those things and trying to be wise with our finances. We believe in that. But even from a Christian perspective, if we're not careful... Even the the Dave Ramseyites of the world, if we're not careful, we can trust Dave and money more than we trust the Lord. Do we want to be wise with our money? Yes. But should we find our security in our money? No. The dollars on your bank statement, the, the numbers that are printed on the paper in your wallet or the lack of paper in your wallet should not be the basis of your security. And that's weird because in a world where money seems to be everything, what we're going to see in the Bible is a constant calling us to put our hope in God and not our money. So be wise with your money, yes, but being wise with your money means knowing that God is the one who provided all the money that you have and that it all belongs to him anyway. He is your security, not your finances. Markets change, finances fail, money goes away. But we don't trust the provision, we trust the provider. So here's my question, how do you know if you're trusting in the provider or the provision, okay? Because here's the reality, if you were to, uh, if all of us right now could declare, here is our dollar value, right? Here's what's in my bank account. Here's how much I'm worth. Those numbers are going to be wildly all over the spectrum. So how do you know if you're trusting in the search? Well, I'm not giving you a number amount. I'm not saying when you get here or anything like that. But instead, I think the way we know that if we're trusting in the provider or the provision The answer is revealed in how you use the provision, how you use the provision. Our second truth is this. We are called to share God's provision. We don't hoard his blessings. Notice in Jesus's prayer, this is pretty interesting to me, and it's right there in the text. It says, give us this day our daily bread. It doesn't say, give me my bread This is a personal prayer. Jesus is inviting us to personally call out to the Lord and personal prayer that impacts the entire community. Father, give me what we need. 
Isn't that powerful? Give us this day our daily bread. This is so important that we think through this today because I know in my head I find myself thinking, God, why have you given some more provision than you've given others? Why do I have more provision than my friend? Why do they have more provision than me? What does this look like? Some people it seems like they have more than their daily bread. But what we see in scripture is a clear call that if we have more bread than we need, the call is to share it with others. The call is not to stockpile it. Uh, the call is to give it to those who need it. Have you ever thought, church, that maybe the provider would use you to provide for the needs of others around you? Now listen, we, we need to be reminded as we have this conversation because I know our hearts. Some of you are thinking like, I'm glad he's preaching this. Those people need, those rich people in here need to hear that. Amen. Aren't we great at applying the scripture to the other people, right? <laughs> I am. That's my job, right? Like, this is for y'all. Lord, I hope they hear you today. Oh, we're good at applying the scripture to other people, but, but we need to recognize this is a word for us. Did you know that, that the most impoverished people here today are rich in the eyes of the rest of the world? We're so blessed to live in this country. That's not to belittle the situation you may be in today. You may be hurting financially or you may feel like you don't have the provision that you need today. And I don't want to belittle that at all. But what I want to tell you is this. God has given each and every one of us resources and we are called to consider how it is that he would want us to use those resources for his glory. God's provided us so much more than we really know what to do with, whether that be finances, whether that be talents, whether that be skills, maybe it's your house, maybe it's your car. God has given us all these things. And the call is not to hoard these blessings, but to share them with others. If God has blessed you with it, share it with others. It's very un-American, by the way. Just gonna say that now. In a very capitalistic society, uh, some of you are thinking, this sounds really socialist. This is not a political message, it's not a political statement. I certainly believe, believe we ought to have the right to be generous, right? Like, I don't think the government making us be generous is really uh, the government's role, but we want to be generous to others and use what God has given us. In a world that invites us to build bigger and better barns and to stockpile everything we have, what we see in the Bible more often than not is a call to instead use our finances and use our resources and use our blessings in such a way that we stand before God and we know that we have done it in a way that brings him glory and advances the gospel in our community and in the world. And that's what we need to do. Bible invites us to share our blessings with others. I, I want to just say this to you again. I, I'm, this is a great news for you, by the way. I'm not the Holy Spirit, all right? I am not going to try to apply this to your specific situation. I, I'm all for savings accounts. I'm all for retirement accounts. Again, we want you to consider financial peace classes. We're going to talk about that here in a few minutes. But ultimately, here's what I think all of us need to do today in response to God's word. We need to sit before the Lord and we need to say, God, give me what I need, but then help me know how to use what it is that you give me. 
Help me know how to use the resources you've given me for your glory. Whatever those resources are, if he's provided more than you need, I, I want you to think about why he's provided more than you need, and then I want you to think about what he wants you to do with what he's provided, whatever those resources are. So we've covered a lot of ground. Are y'all okay this morning? Can everyone just take a breath real quick? Man, y'all love messages like last week. Yeah, our church wants to be a kingdom church, and now I'm talking about you. We don't like that one as much, do we? I don't. Maybe you do. I don't know. We'll see you next week when you come back or don't. No, I'm kidding. Here's the reality. It's so easy for us to depend on ourselves and depend on the ways of the world to get more and more and then Jesus is just a part of our lives over here. Can I tell you what this message is? Jesus is saying that the provision we have in this life is not just a worldly thing that we have to deal with. I've heard people talk about money that way. Well, money's just one of those things in the world. We just gotta deal with it. But can I tell you that God wants to be a part of that? It's not like we're a Christ follower and then we have our money over here. No, Jesus says, I want to be the king of that area of your life today. All the resources you've had, you've been, given to, you've been given those resources by King Jesus. And we need to prayerfully ask him for his help. Each and every single one of us. We said earlier that this is really a message about dependence. Are you depending on Jesus today? Are you finding your hope or lack of hope? in the resources of this world. I don't really know how to land the plane today, but I wanna just tell you a couple things I think are important for you. If you're struggling today, if you're like, man, Rusty, I appreciate you talking about this, but man, I don't have bread. I've been in ketosis for a long time, if you know what I'm saying, right? I don't have enough bread to make it through the day. I want to tell you that, that we're praying for you, and I want to just mention, again, you're going to see this uh, thing for, for financial peace. I want you to consider that. We believe that God uses financially sound people to really that affects the rest of your life. When you can get that area of your life uh, and God uses wise teaching from his word to help you rein in that part of your life, that it tends to help other parts of your life as well. So we have scholarships available for that. I want you to pay attention to that announcement. And some of you may need that, and I want you to participate in that if you need that. But some of you in here, many of you, in fact, I would invite, even if you're struggling, you need to be on the other end of the spectrum too because God has given you resources, whether it be financial or otherwise, and he wants you to use those for his glory. What are those gifts and talents that he's given you? What, what, is the, what are the resources he's given you that you're hoarding instead of sharing with the world? I want to encourage you to pray about how God would have you use those in a wise way. There's this really weird verse in the Bible. Am I allowed to say that? I said it. Let's look at it here. Proverbs chapter 30. And really, I think it sums up the heart of this passage. It says, two things I ask of you. Deny them not to me before I die. Let's continue there. Remove me far from me falsehood and lying. Now listen to this. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me. Why? Check this out. Lest I be full and deny you and say, who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and still and profane the name of my God. Isn't this a wise prayer? 
He says, don't give me too much because if I have too much, then I'll forget you and I'll forget to use those resources for your glory. But don't get, you know, give me enough because if I don't have enough, then I may do something that profanes the name of my God. I think this passage right here in a really beautiful way sums up the heart of Jesus' teaching. You know how I found this verse? Because it's in the Bible in Proverbs. No, I'm kidding. I found this verse because a buddy of mine shared it with me. And what you need to know about this guy is that he was about 18 or 19 years old and he lived in a one-bedroom apartment with like 10 members of his family. And one day we were talking about the blessings of God. We were talking about money. And he said, you know what my mom has always taught us? In Proverbs 30, there's a verse. We pulled out our Bible and I read that verse and I thought to myself, here's a guy who gets it. He wasn't thinking about his situation. He wasn't thinking about his finances. But in that moment, he was saying, God, give me what I need. When Jesus says, give us this day our daily bread, do you know what we're praying? We're saying, God, provide for the needs I have today and help me to trust in you in the way that I use those, in the way that I share those. And ultimately, we're saying, God, help me depend on you. You are my provider. Do you know that provider today? Are you trusting in him? I think we all probably have a little bit of work to do, don't we?